Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. So good to see you once again at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got uh, something special. It's a tapestry. You'll notice it over here hanging on the wall. It's a tapestry of a wheel. Now the wheel has seven spokes. These spokes on the wheel, very symbolic. And this wheel is said to spin the pattern of the ages using the lives of men and women as its thread. Now this tapestry is indeed very symbolic and is very symbolic of a story that is now the subject of a series on Amazon Prime. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Amazon Prime's Wheel of Time. Now, for those unfamiliar with Wheel of Time, uh, like myself, uh, again, in, in full transparency, I have not read this book series, although I have heard of it. It's one I've never taken the time to to read. It began in January of 1990. The first book in this Wheel of Time series, The Eye of the World, was released, and there have been many books to come since then, 14 to be exact. This has probably been one of the biggest fantasy series since The Lord of the Rings in popularity and in notoriety. And there have been fans of this book series all over the world, and this is one of those book series that there's been a lot of anticipation towards making it a movie franchise, TV series, a lot of clamoring for this to be on a screen of some sort. But much like Lord of the Rings was thought to be unadaptable, a lot of people were really skeptical of being able to adapt this because, because of its complexity, because it is very, it's very steeped in a world of lore and a world of history that I think a lot of people were really kind of scared away from from bringing this to the big screen or the small screen or or any screen but uh, but one man Rafe Judkins uh, decided that uh, he was such a fan of the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time series that he really couldn't see he didn't want to see anybody else but him bring this to the small screen and that's exactly what he did via amazon prime now like i said this is a story steeped in tradition and history and lore and culture and there's a lot going on so i'm not going to sit here and try to explain the whole thing out uh for those that have read the books and seen the show you'll know what i'm talking about and you'll understand that i'm talking about it from somebody who has not read the books so if i make some assumptions about characters or the meaning behind different things involved in the story you, you'll have to forgive me but i'm learning as i go uh, for those who have not you uh, will be like me if you've not read the books you'll be like me in trying to discover uh, what this is where it's going now i will be uh, 
uh, in the interest of, again, transparency, I will tell you that I have looked ahead. I, I try to do a little research to give myself a little more of an understanding as to what the history of this story is before it hit the small screen. And I try not to spoil things too much, but uh, I did look back. And, and this first season is primarily based on on the first novel of the series, uh, Eye of the World. That, that novel that was released in, in January of 1990. We're pretty much seeing that story play out in this first season. Not exactly, but from, from what I understand of people who are fans of the book series and have watched this, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying that they really love it or they're kind of lukewarm about it. For various reasons, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that as we, we talk about this story and the story as it pertains to this adaptation of it. But this world, in in a nutshell, 3,000 years prior, there was this, this darkness, this dark one, as you'll have in a lot of fantasy uh, stories that is going to destroy the world or take over the world there you know it comes in very various different incarnations in the world of fantasy and then there's always the the chosen one that has to save the world and 3,000 years prior there was a chosen one called Luz Theron Telamon and he was the dragon reborn this uh, mythological hero who uh, really, in this story, it, it plays that this character, this this dragon reborn, could go towards the light or could go towards the dark. A very Luke Skywalker type uh, type figure, this dragon reborn. But this dragon reborn is the only one that can defeat uh, this dark one. And through prophecy, they come to find that the dragon reborn could be uh, one of these four characters in this small village in the Two Rivers region. Now, in the book, it's a little bit different. It's only the three main male characters. Before we go on, it's very much a down with the patriarchy type story because the the Luce Theron character uh, does defeat the Dark One, but he breaks the world. And we find out in the the last episode, the season finale. And for those who know the books know this, that the world 3,000 years prior was much more advanced. And this final confrontation between the Dragon Reborn and the Dark One 3,000 years prior broke the world and really kind of sent it back to the Dark Ages type of thing. So instead of having flying hover cars, you're, they're, they're back to uh, a horse on a cart. And because this male character broke the world, uh, this male character, with the help of these other male mages, one, males could no longer use magic without going insane, and the women took over. And it's a very matriarchal society. Women are the leaders. Women are the ones in charge. Women are the magic users. And because of that, you have this uh, Egwene character who is the love interest of the, one of the main characters, Randall Thor, they made her one of the potential Dragon Reborn candidates, if you will. Which, to me, wasn't a really a problem. Having not known the story, I would have known any better if I hadn't looked into it. But, but it makes sense, because she's going with this group on this adventure anyway. So it, it only makes sense that she could be one of the potential candidates for the Dragon Reborn. Of course, as I said, there's the other, her love interest, Randall Thor. There's also Matt and Perrin. Matt, he's known as the Gambler. He's kind of, you know, one of these guys who's got a good heart, 
but he just can't help himself. He's a pickpocket. Uh, nobody outside of his group uh, really trusts him. And I've heard some people complain that maybe he's portrayed a little more sinister in the TV adaptation than he is in the books. But I think they amped up his character because it needed amping up for the screen, uh, as well as the Perrin character. Perrin is a, like a blacksmith. Uh, he's got these special powers that really he hasn't tapped into until later. And even later, he doesn't really tap into it. It's more happenstance, but it'd be interesting to see where this character goes. But he, for various reasons, he's he's got very a uh, very brooding nature about him. Uh, when I saw the way he acted, he, he kind of had that Jon Snow in season one of Game of Thrones vibe about him. As far as the the brooding and sulking nature, <laughs> which after a while, it's it's one of those characters I, I want to like him more than I do. But I, like I said, I, I'm interested to see where the character goes because I, I really do like the character. I think the actor that portrays Perrin, Marcus Rutherford, does a really good job. So so I'm interested to see where that character goes from here on out. And, and I gotta you know give a shout out to, to some of the other actors involved in this because uh, really. A, a pretty good cast uh, rounding out the main group of characters uh, is said you know Rand played by Yosha Stradowski does a pretty good job he can come off as a little stiff at times I don't know if it's his character or the performance but I'm excited to see him grow into the character Madeleine Madden is uh, Egwene uh, does a really good job I really liked Barney Harris as the Matt character but uh, unfortunately, he is not going to be with us in the next season. They're recasting that character. Uh, a little disappointed because I, I really liked Barney Harris's portrayal of him. Kind of this good guy at heart, but he comes across sometimes a little more morally ambiguous. <laughs> He's the definitely the guy that, like, if you're one of his close friends, you can trust him with your life. But to anybody else, you know, nobody trusts him. And maybe even sometimes some of the people he's with, his, his closest friends, probably doubt whether they can trust him or not. Uh, like I said, the, the character's a little more amped up for the adaptation than in the books in, in that regard. But but I really liked Barney Harris's portrayal. And it'd be interesting to see who uh, or how this new actor takes on the role in the, the next couple seasons to come. Because the Matt character certainly is one of the more complex character and really fun to watch, at least in this TV adaptation of this this character. Uh, a couple other characters that uh, we've got in kind of this main group is Zoe Robbins. She plays uh, Nenave. Uh, she's kind of the one of the elder council women of the. Not she's not an elder, but. Uh, <laughs> She's not old by any stretch of the imagination is what I'm saying, but she's a part of this council of, of elders. Uh, she's the youngest one to ever to ever become that, I think. And she's kind of a mentor to the Egwene character and very powerful magic user as it, as it turns out. And she's even considered, I, I don't know so much in the books, but in this show, she's even considered as a possibility to be the Dragon Reborn. And, and all these characters are, are linked together, uh, no matter who's the dragon reborn. As we, but we do find out who is. But they're all linked together, and they're all collected uh, by this character, Moraine. She's an Aes Sedai, which is essentially uh, a, a wizard. And she's a part of this group of, 
Aes Sedai magic users and very much like Lord of the Rings you've got uh, different groups wear different colors in Lord of the Rings it was the gray wizards and the white wizards and the brown wizards in this you have uh, various colors meaning different things some are more militaristic some are healers some are more spies you get to this moraine character who is very much of the blue Aes Sedai She's more of a, a spy. She's out gathering information, played by Rosamund Pike, who just adds such weight to this character. I mean, all the other actors in this are quite young, and I'd never really seen much of their work, if any, that I can recall. But Rosamund Pike really brings a, a bit of, of gravity to the cast and a bit of... You know, she's that seasoned veteran actress that commands every scene she's in. You talk about ring generals in wrestling. She's the ring general version of an actress. Uh, same with Daniel Henney. He plays Moraine's warder, Lan. And in the relationship between Aes Sedai and warders, or Aes Sedai is, are, the, are the magic users and the warder is their swordsman, protector. And they have a special bond, like a magical bond that links them. So they work as one. And, and it's a really interesting idea. One that I hope gets explored a little more in the future of this series. Uh, there again, uh, if you read the books, I'm sure it explains it all. But as somebody who hasn't read the books, uh, I'm interested to see more of that dynamic. And we get a little taste of it, seeing some of the Aes Sedai uh, with their warders in this series. But Daniel Henney plays uh, this land character. And he's another one that he just brings some, some gravity to the character and to the cast. I mean, these two together, uh, you're watching some some really good acting on the screen. And where the other actors, the younger actors, uh, feel like younger, the characters are young. They're, they're a little older in this than they're actually in the books. In the books, they're probably like teenagers. Here, they're probably like early 20s. And I think Amazon did that to keep this from feeling like a young adult series. Uh, they want this to be more of a, a game of, they, they want this to be their Game of Thrones. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's that type of story. But I, I still think it's going to be good. And I think uh, it's got a lot of potential to go places. But Rosamund Pike as Moraine and Lan, uh, they they gather up these potential uh, Dragon Reborn characters and whisk them off as these Trollocs attack. And Trollocs are essentially the orcs of this world. Uh, they look like half goat, half cow, half bear. It's all sorts of animals combined. Uh, but they are the snarling beast uh, that are at the beck and call of whatever evil master controls them. Like I said, they're the orcs of, of this world. And there are a lot of Lord of the Rings comparisons to this. And, and a lot of it is not favorable in my mind. Uh, there is so much, and I don't know whether it was the writing of the show or, or if any of these lines were lifted directly from the text of the book, but there were a lot of lines, especially in that first episode. I'm like, Jesus, did you guys just lift this right off the script from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> it just, it was some of, some of the lines were just very much uh, felt like a ripoff of Lord of the Rings. Uh, the scene where the Trollocs are attacking in the tens of thousands and there's this little gap between the mountains and a wall. It felt very much like the Helm's Deep 
uh, section of the two towers. I, just there was a lot that felt like it was a Lord of the Rings ripoff. Now, granted, that's not the whole story. I mean, of course, this is a fantasy story, and, and a lot of fantasy stories, thanks to Lord of the Rings, follow a particular uh, format. And, and you'll get a lot of those comparisons. You can draw a lot of those comparisons from any any sort of Dungeons and Dragons-y type uh, fantasy story. But, but there also felt like some things that were lifted right off the page of J.R.R. Tolkien. And like I said, I don't know whether that was uh, the source material for this story that it came from that, or if it was the, the writers writing these, you know, drawing inspiration, quote unquote, inspiration from Lord of the Rings. But that felt a little, felt a little cheap. And I was like, Oh, geez, uh, Peter Jackson's going to sue somebody. But other than that, the, the story felt really good, very solid. You get immersed in this in this world with all this history and with all this lore and all these different places and lands and peoples. And it doesn't take long to really get your feet under you because that can be a bit overwhelming at times. You get a lot of these crazy sounding uh, kingdoms and peoples with odd names and it can be like i said uh, a bit overwhelming at times i know that's how my wife and i felt when we watched shadow and bone but it doesn't take you long much like that it doesn't take you long to start getting your feet under you get a little traction and then you can kind of keep up with where these people are who this person is what this group is and that was a, one of the nice things about it is that it didn't take you long to really feel like you could immerse yourself in this world and that's really one of the things you get in this. You get the scope of this world. You get the size of this world and the lands because, you know, they're, they're traveling, running from these trollocs, trying to get to this safe haven of this tower where the Aes Sedai, uh, you know, that's their, their home base. And we visit all these different places. The main characters get separated, go off in different areas. And like I said, you really get a sense of the the world that they're in. Sometimes the world feels less lived in than others. I don't know whether it's the, co I think it's the costume design for me. It's, you know, especially on like our main characters. I know they come from a small village, but it seems very plain. I don't know. I just, I wish it had a little more texture because like uh, Lord of the Rings, when you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff from the making of the Lord of the Rings and the great pains they went to adding little details, embroidery and, and little things like that, little patches here and there that just uh, made the world that they lived in personally seem bigger. Uh, and when, when somebody's personal world seems bigger, uh, the whole world seems bigger and it just some of the some of the characters just felt like they uh, put on the shirt that the props person just gave them uh I, I don't know why that bothers me so but there again that's more nitpicky but but there are a lot of instances in this story and in this season where the world does feel very much lived in and does very much feel like a, a place of history but it, the one thing I noticed that this plays a lot off of our history in in some regards. And I may have had something spoiled for me a little bit. Uh, I'll talk about it here in a second. But there's very much how J.R.R. Tolkien used a lot of inspiration from 
England and Great Britain and its past, the Scandinavian countries and their past and history to, to influence some of the looks and some of the, the peoples of Middle Earth. And then Peter Jackson kind of doubled down on that when, when they were developing the, the visual look for these peoples in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This gathers a lot more from like Asian culture, Indian culture, Middle Eastern culture, I mean, a, a little bit from from the European you know, history, but it's more of an all-encompassing drawing of cultural inspiration uh, for this story. Now, that may be because, I, like I said, I haven't read the books, but I was watching a YouTuber that is a huge fan of this and something I didn't realize until he brought it up. And this is a, a, a big spoiler, I think. Uh, maybe not for the story so much, but uh, but maybe it is. I don't know. I've not read the books. So uh, if you want to <laughs> skip past this uh, for a little bit or, or hold off, I don't I don't know what you I don't know what how you want to pull this off. But uh, essentially, this is Earth in the future because the three thousand years in the past, when the uh, world was more advanced, that is essentially the future of our Earth. And when this this breaking of the world happened with uh, Luz Theron, uh, it sent them back, you know, this world back in time. Not back in time, but it, it sent it back culturally. It broke them and then sent them back to the, the Dark Ages. That's essentially Earth going back to that. It, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing, you know. When I heard that, I was like, whoa, I did not get that at all. But that may be why we have so many earthly references in this world that Wheel of Time is taking place in. Uh, it's really kind of mind-blowing stuff, but I don't know how much that really spoils anything as far as the the actual story goes. And the story really got better from the first episode. I mean, the first episode really jumped into things. Uh, it jumped into things a little awkwardly. There was this scene with these Red Aes Sedai, and they're hunting down uh, somebody who... Uh, a male who's using magic and that's that's a no-no in this world i know a lot of people who who love the books thought this was an odd way to start things off but really once you get into the village where rand and Egwene and perrin and matt live that's really where the story starts and it starts off uh, getting to know these characters then you jump into action and then they're off on this adventure and it really doesn't stop from, from there on out because they're moving from one place to the next to the next till they get here and then there's a little bit of a let's figure out what's going on and then we're off to the the finale and now the finale is a little bit different in it's it's less involved than in the books because we and here's another spoiler uh, we find out that rand is the dragon reborn and he and moraine go off to, to try and bind the Dark One, who's starting to break loose of his chains. The Dark One was was trapped and bound after its encounter, his encounter with Luz Theron uh, 3,000 years in the past. And But he's starting to gain strength and getting ready to break his bonds and be unleashed on the world. And it is the Dragon Reborn's job to rebind him. And we see this big showdown, which, like I said, is less involved in this adaptation than it is in the book. I actually, uh, having known what happens in the finale of the book, uh, I really wish we would have seen something a little closer to that. 
but they but they pared it down. They personalized it a little more, made it less of a physical altercation and more of a mental wizardy type battle. And and I think it still worked because, like I said, this isn't the end of the story. This is just the beginning. As as Moraine says, she thought this was the last battle, and it's not. It's just the first one, which sets up more to come. And there are there are 14 books in this series, so we've got a lot more to go. I hear the plan is this for to be an eight-season series. Uh, I know Amazon Prime has already renewed it for two more seasons, so we'll at least get season two and season three. I, I think one of the, the big drawbacks uh, for fans of the books is that even with with 14 books, you would have to have, I think I heard somebody describe it, you'd have to have 30 seasons for them to be able to get everything from the books onto the screen. And that's just not going to happen. Uh, I think uh, you have to expect that some things are going to be cut down and cut out. You have to expect that some things are going to be combined. Some story arcs are going to have to be combined and changed in some regard. I think as long as you get to the same place, uh, if you get there on a little different path, maybe a, a different curve in the path than you would expect, I, I think you have to do that. And you have to expect that from any adaptation, no matter how faithful it is to the books. But eight seasons, uh, they're going to have to cut out a lot. And I think it's going to tick a lot of people off. I know there's a lot of people that really aren't happy with this. And and I think a lot of that may have had to do with pacing because it did feel like they tried to cram in a lot of stuff into eight episodes. For the most part, it worked for me not being versed in the books. I was okay with that. I was okay with some of the, the fast pace. I, I was okay with rushing through some of the story. I, I hope they take the time to slow down because what I understand of the story, you know, this is very much in Lord of the Rings fashion. Dragonlance fashion, any good fantasy, you get this core group of adventurers and then they break off into their own little groups and, and then they'll eventually come back together. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see coming up in at least season two, maybe season two and season three. These these characters break off and do their own thing and then we'll eventually I think see them come back for the final battle but it'll be kind of fun to see where these characters go because like i said the actors who play these main characters zoe robbins madeleine madden yosha stradowski marcus rutherford and well barney harris in this season who plays him in the next season that that remains to be seen i've heard, i've seen uh, a name but i can't think of it right offhand who's going to be replacing him but it, it'll be interesting to see some of these younger actors develop into these characters i really hope to see more of rosamund pike and daniel henney i, I really like their relationship in this in the story there's kind of a, a budding love interest between lan and nynaeve of course daniel henney and zoe robbins so it'll be interesting to see where that goes and to see what characters they bring into the story because you know a story that is 14 books long uh, we haven't even scratched the surface of all the characters that we have to look forward to in this in this really interesting world and the ideas behind this world the matriarchal ideas the ideas of this magic this wheel of time this wheel of time is also a reference to a reincarnation you know if things don't happen the way we want to in this turn of the wheel maybe we'll come back 
in another turn as somebody else and things will work out. It's, it's just a lot of, like I said, history and lore and in any story that has that much to build on, I, I think is a good story. And I really, as somebody who has not read the books, I enjoyed this first season. Was it perfect? No. Was it as good as The Witcher? It was different from The Witcher. This was more of a an old school fantasy. This felt more like a D&D game where you've got your group of adventurers, your group of friends, and you're going off here, and then you're going to go on a side quest here. And, and it just felt different than The Witcher. The Witcher feels more original as a story than The Wheel of Time. The Wheel of Time, like I said, feels very much derivative of things like Lord of the Rings and Dragonlance and, and books of that nature. Doesn't make it a bad story. It just makes it different. And I think production value, there's a, there's a huge difference there. I think the world of The Witcher does feel more lived in than the world of The Wheel of Time. There are some aspects of people in it that don't live up to the richness of the culture that they're supposed to be in. And uh, I'm hoping those sort of details will be fleshed out as, you know, this production goes on and we get a second season and a third season. I hope the production value kind of elevates along with some of the acting. Like I said, they've got some really good young actors. Uh, they're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm hoping to see them, you know, some of them develop as actors as this story goes on. And it'll be interesting to see the the new actor who's being uh, cast as Matt. I did find that name. Uh, Donald Finn uh, is the actor. Again, uh, somebody I'm not terribly familiar with as an actor. Uh, so I don't know what to expect with him uh, in this Matt role. Is it, you know, I, I really liked the way that Barney Harris played Matt on, on this show. I, I really enjoyed his portrayal. Probably of the, of the young actors of this core group of, of characters, you know, outside of Rosamund Pike and Daniel Henney, Barney Harris, I thought, was the uh, did the best job uh, with his character, and to see him go, that's that's a little disappointing. But uh, but it'll be interesting to see where they take this story, how close they stay to the source material, how these actors, these young actors, develop into these characters, and where they take things. Because, like I said, there's a there's a lot of source material, and only so much time. Uh, hopefully, the fans will be patient with this. Uh, the fans of the book series will be patient with this and give it the time to develop and give it the time to be its own thing. Give it the time to tell the story that may not be exactly how it goes in the book, but at least get you to the same outcome. And I think this is going to be uh, an enjoyable series. Is it as good as Witcher? I I think I enjoy Witcher a little bit more, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy this series, The Wheel of Time, and looking forward to uh, season two, which should conclude filming February of this year, 2022. So uh, maybe we'll see things this coming November, December. We might uh, see season two uh, hit Amazon Prime. So really excited about that. But like I said, all in all, I really enjoyed this. Is it a perfect series? No. Does it have some some flaws? Certainly. But I think uh, they have the chance now that they've renewed this for two more seasons that they've got a chance to really make this something special. We'll see if if the production company lives up to that and can get this to the standard. Uh, they, you know, Amazon Prime wants this to be their Game of Thrones, and that is 
that's not what this series is as far as you know game of thrones was dark gritty you never knew who was gonna die people die in this don't get me wrong but it's not in a game of thrones type way uh, i don't think it's going to be the cultural phenomenon that game of thrones was but if it's not that as long as it's still a good epic fantasy series I think fans will will really be happy, and like I said, for the for the fans of the books, cut this story some slack. Uh, it's it's really hard to adapt a fourteen novels worth of content into you know what a, a few seasons, eight seasons, however many they're going to do. And it's also an interesting take on the fantasy genre. You know, Robert Jordan when he did these novels starting back in the nineties, early nineties, uh, he was doing something thing. Uh, he was doing something different than what a lot of fantasy writers were doing back then. You know, he kind of turned the patriarchal fantasy setting on its head with this matriarchal society. And that was a, a, a big thing then. It's, I think, even bigger now because it's, it's there's very much a down with the patriarchy <laughs> idea out there that is not a bad thing. I, I think it's it's fun to to take something that uh, was always one way for the longest time and do it a little different. Now, like I said, Robert Jordan wrote this back in the 90s, and it, it feels like society is finally caught up with his ideal that, you know, you can take uh, this patriarchal society that a lot of these fantasy stories live in with the king and the... Uh, now, granted, the hero's still a guy in this, so I I was afraid they were going to change that just to be contrary and to to what everyone was expecting and sub subvert the expectations, but they didn't. I think you can have this matriarchal society and still have this young guy be the hero or whatever. But if you like a lot of down with the patriarchy, girl power metaphor, uh, this is this has got a lot of that in there for you. And, uh, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I think it does what I like about fantasy and it just has a group of these different characters on an adventure. And that in its purest form is what is so fun about the fantasy genre. It's me and my friends going out in the woods and my great grandmother's property and finding a, a nice straight branch of a tree that I could use as a sword and hacking and slashing our way through the underbrush, uh, pretending we're battling dragons and monsters and all sorts of wickedry. But that's that's the fun. That's the heart of fantasy. And I, I think this, this show does a good job with that. And like I said, there's a lot of room for improvement, but it's still pretty fun. And I look forward to, to seeing some more uh, in the future from the Wheel of Time franchise on Amazon Prime. So there you have it. That's my thoughts on the Wheel of Time season one. Excited for season two. Uh, hopefully we'll be getting that sometime towards the end of this year. But uh, looking forward to it all the same. And hopefully you are as well. If you had some ill... Uh, feelings towards it hopefully you'll give it a second shot be a little more patient with it if you haven't seen it uh i encourage you to check it out but uh please uh, check out our facebook fan page odds bodkins curiosity shop for for all that's going on in the world of fantasy horror sci-fi i'm always posting uh, trailers from TV shows and movies that are coming out that I think will interest you. Always finding articles from from various sources around the interwebs and uh, posting those to try to keep you updated on on various things and always adding my thoughts and comments on uh, some of the stuff I'm watching at the time and uh, looking forward to more to come in 2022. 
So thanks for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you give us, we, we certainly thank you for the input. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!